Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! here with you on a... We are very loud today. I don't know. I'm going to play around with these numbers here. Well, we're excited. We're excited to be alive. As Travis Tritt once saying, it is a great day to be alive. That's true. Another guy I once said it was a great day to be a bulldog. I don't remember who that guy I, was. No, he's a handsome dog. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk. Mississippi at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our service men and women over there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Strange Brew has been open throughout all of this mess, so please be sure that you're keeping them open. Swing by there today and get yourself a icy cold or a bubbling hot beverage. You know what? This weather right now, which is incredible considering it's August 5th, it could go for either one. It's not that hot outside. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you what. I, uh, as soon as we got done yesterday, um, I, look, I, I'm not one of those dudes, hey, I exercise. Y'all pat me on the back. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to, but you, I, I ran you're yesterday. Not, you're not crossfitting. Yeah. I, after we did our show yesterday, I, I ran right here close to Super Talk Studios, got over a four mile run in, and like on mile three, I, usually I'm dead, but I was like, you know what? It's kind of pleasant for it to be August anyway. So, yeah, it was nice. If you can run, cut grass, do whatever in this, and, and, and kind of think, man, this is kind of nice in the middle of August, yeah, be thankful. There you go. Go get you some. I, I'll tell you what, though. This quarantine has finally gotten to me. As you all, Uh-oh. As you all listen to this show, and this applies to our Strange Brew ad read here, uh, as you all listen to this show, my kids will return to uh, school slash daycare. Okay. Today, Calty's a pre-K guy. Man, doesn't seem real. But I went yesterday on Tuesday to get my blueberry cobbler at Strange Brew. Mm-hmm. This just goes to show where my five months of, of daddy daycare and everything, it's finally gotten to me. Um, now, I love the brewistas at Strange Brew, but I, I paid for my coffee with a $20 bill. And they gave my coffee. I was like, oh, I'll just keep the change. And then I got back in the truck and I realized... I just left a $17 tip. So I didn't think about it. So I paid $20 for a cup of blueberry cobbler You know what? You made somebody's day. I did. I did. It was a positive thing. Yeah. It's one of those deals where you're just like, well, they deserve it. There you go. (laughs) They've they've caffeinated me for the last five months. So there you go. Well, go by, like I said, I I don't, you don't have to leave a $20 tip. Yeah. But you can certainly do that if you wish. And I'm sure the Brewistas, and the next time you come through there, that drink will be piping hot and ready to go. <laughs> they will sub you service with a smile. Uh, College Corner, they're not giving you a $20 tip. They're just giving you money. We, we Again, we are still looking into it. The FBI is going to show up at some point on this and be like, hey, it's not, a, it's not legal to sell money at less than face value. It's legal tender, you know, for any debt, public or private, they say. So... All you've got to do is this. Swing over to collegecornerstore.com. Buy a gift card there. 
It's 30% off that purchase. Then, bam, you've, you've got a $100 gift card that you only had to pay $70 for. You want to go ahead and get that, that Christmas shopping done, which, again, judging by the state of our post office, maybe that's a good idea. Well, you can outfit the whole family in maroon and white and save a bunch of money in doing it. So go to collegecornerstore.com, buy that gift card, shop there online, or shop at either of their two locations in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. And get yourself some brand new maroon and white merchandise. Advantage Businesses wants to let you know that right now is the time to make sure your business is running as efficiently and smoothly as it possibly can. You don't need to be losing money in the middle of all these uncertain times. So, (laughs) I love saying that. I hate saying that, but I love saying that at the same time. I can't wait until we have a show where you don't have to say it. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to some more more certain times. There's no question about that. But in these times right now, it's time to call Advantage Business Systems and put their 45 years of experience in this state to work for you. Call them today at 844-833-6245 or visit them online at absms.com and find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. All right. Did you come up with that tagline, by the way? I did. I think they, I think they should, you know, give you a. Once social distancing is out the window, you need a big hug for that because it helps your business do business. It's pretty good. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm you know a marketing guy or anything, but it is what it is. I think we had the discussion one time about that movie. I think it's called uh, Crazy People, where they they actually pr- practice like truth and advertising. And I've ever told you, I think we talked about that. Do you remember this? Maybe, yeah. Where, like, the guy came up with the slogan for Volvo, boxy but good. <laughs> so, And they had another one, which I can't say on the air, which is fantastic. I'll tell you afterwards. But uh, Seems like there's something every day where you have to tell me afterwards. Well, this is one. There's some that, I, like, it's not good radio for us just to go watch a YouTube clip for a minute. <laughs> this one is, is, is not family-oriented, this joke. So let's go with that. Uh, where to start? We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we're going to hit the Welcome Home Beef Hotline for two interviews a little bit later in the show, but we will start off with some big, and that's a literal term, news. All right, MSU has added an offensive lineman to the class, Gabe Cavazos of Lake Cormorant. Is that's I'm not sure which one I'm mispronouncing worse. Which one is it? I'm pretty sure Cavazos is right. I think it's Cormorant. Cormorant. Okay, I mean phonetically that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean I'm not a hundred percent convinced that I'm right, we'll but I think I'm right. Uh, we've been talking for the past few weeks about the, the offensive line class in this state, and it's just not. There aren't the, the 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 there just aren't the options there have been in years past. But this is a kid that has just sort of popped up on some on some radars uh, and and got that MSU. Talk about this was must have been the offer he was waiting on. Got the offer on July thirtieth. It's August fifth. He's committed. Uh, so no games being played there. Big kid, six foot four, two hundred and ninety pounds. Uh, you know, no rating yet from twenty four seven. I think that twenty four seven. You know, people are going to look at that and go, oh, he must not be very good. Normally, the summer is when those kids get those ratings. So they go yeah. to camps and people see them. Here, Gabe is a kid that would have come to some Mississippi State camps that would have been attended by some 24-7 people who could have then turned in a ranking on him. But as it is, all you've got to go on is his film. Yeah. And, you know, you just sort of have to go from there. Three-star by rivals, if anybody. Okay, cares. so there you go. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be a mid-three-star. He is, outside of Charles Cross and Dollar Bill, 
the same guy that he is the same offensive lineman Mississippi State has been recruiting and has been successful with for the past decade. He, you know, he is a guy who, you know, not going to have a ton of great offers, but big kid, in-state kid. You know, will it work out? Who knows? But the template is the same one. Mike Leach followed the same one that Dan Mullen followed. How many big-time offensive linemen did Dan Mullen sign? Um, he didn't sign Gabe Jackson, did he? So he did sign did Gabe he sign Jackson, Gabe? but okay. Gabe Jackson was this this same this guy. Sort of, that's right. He just same sort of profile. Yeah, you know, Damian Robinson, four-star kid, but you know, injuries and, and just never never fulfilled that potential. You know, for the most part. State has just sort of thrived with three-star linemen. Now, Cross and Dollar Bill are going to be the, the exceptions to that. As, as they, you know, Cross is probably going to start a lot this year. I imagine he's the starting left tackle. Dollar Bill is probably the swing guy, and he'll take over for Greg Island or Scott Lashley, whoever that right tackle is, uh, next season, I would think. But this has been the template for the past decade for Mississippi State to be successful on, is to sort of you know, play under. And, and in this state, if there's not a couple of four-star offensive linemen, this is how, this is how it's going to be. You know, It's just so... I you know I see people are, are there are a lot of people who are really concerned about this recruiting class and I, I just don't see the, I just don't have the same issues that they do and and you guys maybe it's just me but if you've been listening to me for a long time you know that I have never been one to fluff up MSU recruiting yeah uh, you know you know that I have been critical I was very critical of Mullen at times I thought Moorhead did a pretty good job recruiting but at the same time you know he didn't do much more than what Mullen was doing. And now, you know, with Mike Leach, I mean, I'm just willing to play it out to see what the class looks like when there's 22, 23 commitments in it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I see both sides of it. I mean, I see a class that has 14 guys in it that's ranked in the, you know, what, mid-40s um, nationally. A class that, and we've talked about the reasons why, the state of Mississippi isn't really deep at defensive line, but it's definitely, it needs to pick it up, you know, in, in, in the as it signs the next 10 or gets the next 10 commits or whatever it needs to be some some delinement in that <laughs> i don't think there's any doubt about that um i think to me that's more of a concern than the ranking stuff is just uh you want you'd like to shore up a little defensive line future there uh right now one defensive lineman out of out of the 14 commits and um I mean, Ty Cooper, I think, is a, a big get. This this class needs him, Yeah, I think. Um, I, you know, fill in the blank with some others. But it, it needs more than what it's got right now along the defensive line. And I think, to me, that's the bigger concern than 40-something in the nation. That, that doesn't mean a lot right now, I don't think. And, again, you know, in the state of Mississippi this year. It's just not. There's just not. The, you know, there's not. Think about two years ago when you had uh, Nathan Pickering and Byron Young and Jaron Handy and Charles Moore. I mean, Moore didn't pan out, but. You know, we'll see what happens there. And you had Derek Hall down there at Gulfport. You just had all of those guys. Um, when you look at this state year in and year out, there's usually at least two four-star or high three-star uh, guys in the state on the defensive line. And this year, there just isn't. Yeah. You know, the, Cooper is the highest-rated defensive lineman in the state. He is rated as the 18th best prospect. Two years ago in 2019, he wouldn't have been in the top 25. He might not have been in the top 30, to be honest with you. And then there's just there's, there's there just isn't anybody. The next guy down is Cole Daniels, who you know, kid out of Sumrall, Mississippi, is rated as the uh, as a low three star point you know eight one nine nine. 
and he's committed to South Alabama. There's just not those guys this year, for whatever reason, in this state this year. Reading, uh, looking ahead to next season, the, the, the talk is that it's a better year in the state of Mississippi for defensive linemen. You, you've got three or four guys who are uh, big-time SEC prospects, and that doesn't include Walter Nolan, who I think is back in Memphis now, who played at Olive Branch for a couple years. He's probably headed out of state. He's one of the top players in the country. But you could count him as a Mississippi kid if you wanted to. So, you know, this is just a bad year for the trenches in Mississippi. So my, my thought process is go out and get the best guys you can get. So we'll see where that, we'll see where that takes us uh, in 2021, uh, 2022. So Gabe Cavazos, the 12th commitment from Mississippi State. We'll see where the uh, his uh, initial ranking lines up. All right, let's move on in. You're right over there. Yeah, I'm good. To some new uh, to our interviews for the day, and let's uh, talk about Welcome Home Beef because they're you know sponsoring the interviews on the Welcome Home Beef hotline. I could go for a steak. I'll be totally honest with you. I, mean, I may just have to hit them up. Well, that's every day ends in wide. No, some days I like pork or chicken. <laughs> some days I like wings. Some days I like pizza. But today feels like a steak kind of day. So I might might be hitting them up today or tomorrow uh, to, 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 to do that. And you should be doing that too. And, of course, if you're in Hattiesburg, you don't even have to worry about Welcome Home Beef. You can go straight to put you put put yourself at a table at Cotton Blues, and you could be eating Welcome Home Beef steaks today. If you're in Collinsville, Mississippi, you go over to Piggly Wiggly, boom, it's right there on the shelf. And anywhere else in the state, well, all you've got to do is reach out to Welcome Home Beef, tell them what you're looking for, and they'll ship it to you. They've got a new phone number. It's going to totally... Re- Throw us off for the next two weeks. Just be prepared for that. But call them at 662-268-8141. Or you can visit them online at facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef. And that will get you in touch with those guys. Remember, don't have to just go off the menu with them. You can always place a special order. They're willing to help you out. They are a full-service butcher shop at this point. They'll take care of you, whatever it is you're looking for. So please, again, give them a call at 662-268-8141 and experience the difference that the best locally sourced grain-fed beef will make on your dinner table. One thing's for sure with Welcome Home Beef. It just tastes good. We're going to start with our uh, SEC preview. I talked to my good friend Michael Casagrande from AL.com about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Joining us now on the Welcome Home Beef hotline is my friend Michael Casagrande. covers Alabama for AL.com. I've convinced myself, and by the way, I just want to point out that it feels really weird. Just we're just going to talk about football with no, none of this other background stuff uh, going on. But I've sort of convinced myself that this Mac Jones Bryce Young thing is sort of similar to Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant. I think you've got a good quarterback versus a possible great quarterback, uh, and, I, and I just I've just convinced myself that at some point Bryce Young is going to grab the reins and never let go of that starting job. How, how do you see the quarterback position at Alabama this year? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Uh, it, 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 it would seem to be that way. I mean, I think Mac Jones done a, he did a good job when he came in uh, after Tua got hurt at the end of last year at Mississippi State. And then uh, he played well uh, in the loss at Auburn. Uh, put up a lot of yards, made some big throws, made a few bad decisions. But uh, he's, he's been around the program. This is his fourth year. Um you have Bryce Young coming in, obviously has all the potential in the world. Uh, you know, the fact that he didn't have a spring football season practice, the 15 practices did him no favors in that sense. If you could see with players like 
when he came in for his first spring, he really did a lot of things that impressed a lot of people and just got that experience, that comfort level that comes with just going through a dry run of 15 practices, and then you don't you don't get that with Bryce. So it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he can adapt once, you know, they just keep pushing practice further back for him. He just wants to put on a helmet, I'm sure, and toss the ball around, and, uh, you know, it's deeper into August now, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, everyone said the right things about him. Saban has praised him on, on signing day. I don't remember 10 or 11 years of covering the team, remembering Saban praise a recruit, a signee, uh, the way he did, uh, Bryce Young when he came in this, this, uh, February. So they actually, they, they have high expectations for him. So, you know, we'll see. You know, last year, Alabama really had four first-rounders at wide receiver. Two of them have already been picked, obviously, in, in Ruggs and, uh, and Judy. Devontae mm-hmm. Smith and Jalen Waddle's time will probably come this uh, this coming April. Who are the next guys for Alabama at the receiver position? Who's going to give them that that, that you know, a trio or a foursome of all SEC caliber receivers? It's a good question. I think there there's some some guys behind them that who didn't necessarily have – I mean, they're kind of overshadowed. They didn't really get a – opportunity to shine but they didn't you know they weren't necessarily the biggest recruits behind I think they kind of with having those four guys there kind of funded some of the receiving recruiting for a year or two because people just could see they weren't going to come in right away and and starve but you had John Mechie uh, a guy who was freshman last year uh, Canada uh, showed some things uh, Xavier Williams uh, part of that pipeline for the South Florida He's been around the program for a few years, but hasn't uh, broken through. So, um, I mean, Najee Harris, if, uh, you know, he's really shown himself to be a, a, a threat out of the backfield to catch passes. He really increased that role last year. So uh, they've kind of looked to diversify where they're throwing the ball and who they're throwing it to to, to uh, take some of the pressure off the guys. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Devontae Smith how Joe and Waddle, they can perform without having, um, you know, the other two when all four were on the field last year. It was really difficult for defenses to key on, on, any, on anybody because they could just throw it anywhere. So uh, if defenses can, can key on a little bit more uh, specifically those two, uh, I'm curious how that would impact the dynamic. And then having quarterbacks who aren't to a, um, is another factor to watch. I guess while I have you here and we're talking about receivers, let's let's look at Starkville for just a second. What should MSU fans be expecting from Tyrell Shavers this year? Good question. Uh, I, I mean, we never really, we never really saw that much of him uh, on the field. So um, he's tall and he's, he's, he looks the part for sure. Six six or uh, six five, I can't remember exactly, but he's definitely the model of the tall receiver. Um, just never really got on the field that often uh, to. At Alabama to, to really give you a, a great preview of him, but um, you know he's a big target at the very least. Do you have a concern about Alabama offensively? It seems like you know they've got Najee Harris, the receivers. If nothing else, Smith and Waddle are, are top talents, uh, and the offensive line is as good as it's been in the past few years. Is there anything about this Alabama offense that you can look at and go that could be a concern? Huh. You know, it's a good question. You know, like we said, hey, I've, I've spent, spent so much of this last few months not thinking about the X's and O's of football and this who's going to do what and where but 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, you make a good point. There aren't that many glaring holes. Um, a lot of the offensive line returns. You've got, you know, young guys uh, who are stepping into the bigger roles. Uh, you know, there really, there aren't many glaring, you know, maybe running back depth. But you've got you got guys who are coming back from injury um, still in there. So yeah, it, it looks like a pretty potent offense. Um, quarterback situation to be interesting how it resolves and how you know who ultimately is the quarterback will probably dictate you know what's what the run pass um balance would be but uh yeah good question when you, when you look at the defense on the other side of the ball, you know, last year obviously they, they had some some moments there where they, they didn't look like an Alabama defense. Obviously against LSU, uh, you know, and Auburn was sort of the same thing. Yeah, you know, why is this defense going to be better this year? That's a good question, and I don't you know I don't know that it is uh, because they're, they they lost a lot of guys from the secondary from you know two starting outside linebackers, a uh, couple safeties, cornerback. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, Xavier McKinney, early round guys. So, um, Terrell Lewis, Amphrey Jennings, who have been mainstays as outside linebackers. So, there's a lot to replace. Uh, there's guys who are coming back from injury on the defensive front, which became really a mash unit at the end of the year. People were, you know, everyone was going down up front. So, um, if they can get more consistency on the defensive front, get guys healthy. You guys experience there's just a lot of true freshmen playing middle linebackers. Um, you got Dylan Moses uh, back uh, from the torn ACL last preseason. He was a you know Buckus Award yeah. caliber middle linebacker. So um, that would be a huge uh, addition when you had two two freshmen pretty much sharing time at middle linebacker. It was a, you know impossible. You know it was very hard to ask two guys to fill that role without really kind of a, a veteran who was there to, to guide him along. So, um, probably that would be better. But uh, I think there's just a lot of questions about who who can step up um, on that defense. There's, there's a lot to prove, I think. You know, it's been sort of a running joke the past few years about Alabama and losing coordinators. But this year, you know, Sarkeesian back, although we thought we might have him in Starkville here for just a, a moment or two. Uh, mm-hmm. Pete Golding back as the defensive coordinator. How, how important is that going to be for, for just, you know, this team this year in terms of you know, having the same guys, same terminology, same systems in place, especially in a year where you don't have spring practice and, and you got to get right into the season? That's true. It's, it's been uh, the, the continuity uh, – has been a real issue the last few years. I mean, I think six, one year, seven, the year before that, uh, assistant coaches were coming and going. So there was a lot of a lot of that. And my brain, I think only one one assistant coach left after last year. So yeah, that's that's a big thing. Have both coordinators back. I mean, I, I, you have to go back a while to find yeah. uh, the last time that was true for Alabama. So yeah. It's definitely going to be a thing um, to because they had some of the young players playing last year that to, to be able to take that step from year one to year two, and they're definitely going to have plenty of mental reps with all this, all the extra time they have to be, you know, in the film room as opposed to on the field with the new regulations. So that's a thing. Just a sort of a you know, I know you don't know the answer to this, but I'm going to make you make a guess. Who, who is Alabama going to add to the schedule? Do you think? Whew. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. Even, it's not. Even, it's the SEC who's going to be adding it, not 
Alabama. So yeah, I mean, who who knows? You know, that's a good question. Could be coming any time now, so um, we'll be prepared for for however they want to do that. I'm mean, I'm interested to see the answer to that because if they the strength of schedule thing plays through, it almost feels like it has to be Florida, and then you've got Alabama playing Georgia and Florida in the same yeah. year. That, that could be a very very interesting. So it'd be fun games to watch if we get to watch them and we get to cover them and then things of that Definitely. nature. So, Mike, I'll always appreciate you coming on, man. Always good stuff. Michael Casagrande from AL.com joined us today. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks to Mike. We appreciate his time. Always good to talk to him. Like I, 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 I told him afterwards, uh, you know, I hope we I hope we get to see these guys this fall. It's really sort of funny. I don't know if funny is not the right word, but, you know, we're almost like a fraternity, you know, and we haven't been able to meet. No. You know, you know, you, you know, we have our our chapter, the MSU chapter of the fraternity, and you know, you get to go see the other guys every now and then, and then you have your national meeting, which is SEC Media Days. But we haven't had those things this year, so hopefully, you know, Mike's a good friend. I hope I get to see those guys. You know, I like going over to Tuscaloosa. You know, I, I'm not predicting, reporting anything on this, but. If you wanted to keep the SEC schedule and like start close and go far away, maybe that's the opener. Wouldn't be wouldn't be the worst idea. Wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Yeah, sure. no, actually, I mean, be a really good idea. I mean, you could just leave that morning, go play, be home by supper. I wouldn't mind doing breakfast at Alabama again. The last time we had that, they had the, the biscuits and chorizo gravy. Oh yeah, you had like had like the they had the design your own omelet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's good stuff over there. All right. That's gonna be another tough team though this year, man. It's just I'm fascinated to watch Alabama in the coming years when when Saban finally steps away. You got to feel like they'll have, depending on who they get. Now, if they get Dabo somehow, sure, it's gonna keep going. But the next guy, I think he's gonna have like two years of being really, really good with Saban's recruits, and then it just feels like they have to take a step back. Well, I mean, you, how many times have we talked on this show in Mississippi State terms about being the guy following the guy, man? Like you said, unless it's a Dabo or somebody, I can't even fathom what it'd be like to to be following Nick Saban yeah. at Alabama. I yeah. mean, there there is literally no improvement that you could do. Like you are going to fall backwards, which you is why I don't think it's going to be Dabo. Why would you do that? You know, you're already locked in at Clemson, winning national titles. Yeah. Why go somewhere where if the first year you go ten and two, they're going to be like, what? Why do we do this? Oh, well, more to talk about that, obviously, in the coming years. We'll worry about that down the road. <laughs> Let's keep this going, though. we got an opponent preview to talk about. Texas A&M, always an interesting game for Mississippi State. State had won four straight in the series uh, prior to last season. But uh, I'm sorry, not four straight. They had won four out of five uh, in the series prior to last season. A&M really dominated a, a Mississippi State team that was missing so much defensively. That was a game where the suspended players were out. Cam Dantzler did not play in that game. State just did not have much of a chance, and they were just sort of hampered by poor play calling on top of that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that afterwards. Uh, but there's the opponent preview. Oh, by the way, in case you're wondering, you know, for Alabama, uh, schedule preview, they didn't do the schedule pick. Undefeated. I don't really care who they play. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think, is there anybody that you would put? Well, I mean, they play Georgia. And that could go one way or the other. If that that game was supposed to be in Tuscaloosa anyway, so you know it's not like if if, if everything was normal and they yeah. were going to Athens, I don't know. Uh, if Florida comes on their schedule, it'd be a good game. But if they're playing only conference games, they're going to win them all. Simple as that. Yeah, I don't really care who they're playing. So, and even if they're playing non-conference, I mean, there's a good chance. Yeah, 
No, well, they're not. The, the, so yeah. there you go. All right, let's let's go to the opponent preview. Let's talk to Jeff Tarpley of Gigum Twenty Four Seven about the Bulldogs matchup with the Aggies. Joining us now on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline, Jeff Tarpley, been covering the Aggies for a long time for Gigum Twenty Four Seven. Going back and looking at, at last year's game, Mississippi State versus Texas A and M. You know, that was a game where Kellen Mond was, that may, may have been one of his best games of, of the season, was really efficient passing the football, ran the ball very effectively, was responsible for five of AM's seven touchdowns on the day. I guess my question is this if Mississippi State is able to affect Kellen Mond, is that, does AM have the pieces around him to win if he does have an off day? I think a lot of AM's season will be determined by Kellen Mond, how he goes, the team will go. But the Aggies now have enough uh, around him so that if he's not playing well, they can they can do enough things to where they can move the ball effectively enough to where they can put points on the scoreboard and enough points to win. And also keep in mind, unless he's turning the ball over, uh, the defense should be able to hold up just fine. This is a defense that ranked fifth in the SEC in rush defense last year. They should be even better this year because they returned – eight of their ten top tacklers. So I don't think that I, I don't think they'll be quite as dependent on him as they might appear to be on the surface to most folks. And then, you know, we you mentioned that that defense. The question I've been asking everybody when we do these opponent previews is this with Mike Leach coming to Mississippi State, how, how does the A and M secondary look? A&M secondary is probably going to be better this season. They've got more pieces in place, or at least they should have more pieces in place. Uh, the cornerback play should be better. Uh, A&M had a, they've had multiple injuries in the secondary the last couple of years. They've had to go young at some spots, but you should have improvement from from a guy like Damani Richardson, who came in, started off, you know, I think eleven games last year at safety. He was quite competent against the run. He should move into that, be more of that this year against the path. The cornerback situation, junior college transfer Brian George should upgrade the position. Miles Jones is a veteran there. Elijah Blades, if he can hold up from an injury standpoint, that's a guy who, if he can just be on the field, will make the position better. Also look out for freshman Jalen Jones, who's a really highly touted kid out of the San Antonio area, who was rated as a five-star by 24-7 as a safety. And he's a phenomenal safety, but he's going to be a really, really good cornerback, too. And a and is going to play him there. So I think from that standpoint, all the pieces should be better, uh, just simply because they've added more talent and experience over Jimbo Fisher's tenure in College Station. Jeff, since this game, uh, or I should say since Texas A&M came into the SEC back several years ago, this series with Mississippi State and A&M has been, been pretty equal. I know on this end, oftentimes the game is looked at every single year going in as a toss-up. Just curious, what's kind of the, the viewpoint of the Mississippi State game from, from the Texas A&M side of things? A&M fans believe this is a game that they should win every year because they should be able to out-recruit Mississippi State and have better players on the field. They, <laughs> it shouldn't be an even series if that's going on. A&M has landed multiple top ten classes since they've been in the SEC, and, and two of them since Jimbo Fisher has joined the program, and they're on track to land the third straight top ten class this season. 
Mississippi State is underrated in terms of the talent that it brings into its program. But every year on a consistent basis, this is a game that because of the talent discrepancy that A&M fans believe they should win, let's say, eight or nine times out of a 10-year stretch. When you look back at last year's game, Kylan Hill had a really good game against Texas A&M, and the state actually ran the ball pretty effectively. You know, it was just in in the air they were so ineffective or ineffective, I guess I should say, against Texas A&M. Is that rush defense a little bit better this year? We talked a lot about the secondary at the beginning there. What's the rush defense look like for the Aggies? I, I think they'll miss Justin Matabuki, uh, the NFL drafty, a little bit because he was a, he was a guy with with great hands, great techniques good get-off, who could make plays behind the line of scrimmage. But A&M's recruited really, really well at defensive tackle. They should be able to roll out enough pieces there to protect the linebacker core, which returns both Anthony Hines and Buddy Johnson. Both those guys are really good at reading blocks and playing downhill. They combined for 20 tackles for loss last year. Uh, Mike Elko's scheme, he really understands how to scheme your reads on offense so that you keep handing the ball off into traffic up front and your running game doesn't go very far. That wasn't the case last year. But uh, I think from going forward, as he gets more confidence in that secondary, they play fewer two high coverages to protect the secondary, I think you'll see A&M's run defense get even better. You've been covering Texas A&M for a long, long time, back into their Big 12 days, so you've got some familiarity with Mike Leach. Just give us an idea of what you think in year one Mike Leach is going to look like in Mississippi State. What should Mississippi State people be looking for in year one? You know, Leach's system, the air raid really isn't a complicated system. Uh, it's, it's basically like the triple option. There's the same reads and the same plays, but they just run them out of a bunch of different formations. Now, it usually takes Leach a year to really adjust. So uh, I think the first season might be a little more problematic than what most Mississippi State fans are used to based on that track record. But quite honestly, he's not going to be held back by the offense if they get everybody on the same page. It's just a different way of doing things. And if they can make that adjustment... They've got the talent, especially after what happened last year with uh, all the NCAA stuff and people having to sit out games. That that happened a lot of, uh, if I remember correctly, the Bulldogs had a lot of guys sit out against A&M. They did. Uh, they, they could definitely surprise people, and they could make that game in Starkville tougher, I think, than what some A&M fans are presuming, at least at this point in time. Yeah. Should, should be an interesting game. I always feel like you know Auburn and Texas A and M are the two games I always circle for Mississippi State. And if they're you know if they're two and zero oh in those games, that's a great season. If they're one and one, all right. And if they're zero oh and two, you're going to struggle to get to a bowl. That's what happened last year. Two years ago, they were two and zero. Oh. So we'll see what happens this year when the Aggies uh, come to Starkville. Don't know when that's going to be yet, but we'll figure that out, I guess, as we go along. Jeff Tarpley, man, thanks so much for joining me. Always glad to have you on. Thank you, guys. Appreciate y'all. All right, thanks again to Jeff. Appreciate his time. State had no chance in this game. The game was decided before the whistle was blown. Yeah. The State just, just didn't have the horses to compete against Texas A&M. A fully loaded Mississippi State team, I think this game, I don't know that I'll pick State to win, but I think it'll be a very interesting game in Starkville. I do too. I do too. And, uh, 
you know, I asked I asked Jeff in that interview what's kind of the A and M mindset of the Mississippi State game, and he was talking about, you know, they feel like that given the recruiting disparity and talent and stuff, they feel like they should win like eight or nine out of every ten tries. Yeah. That's not the mindset at all in Starkville. No, I mean this is very much viewed every year um, as a game on the schedule that fifty fifty. You know, you, yeah. it's, it's very much. Every, every year, recently, like it's a toss-up. I feel like the, that's the case of everybody in the SEC outside of Ole Miss. Even Arkansas fans think they should be beating State every year. Nine out of ten. And it's just not the case. You know, outside of Alabama and LSU, you know, State has been... Hung with Auburn. Well, Hung I mean, with, the, the last decade, they're four and six yeah. against Auburn. Uh, since A&M has joined the conference, I think they are four and three against Texas A&M. Uh, since the 2010, you know, since, or since, well, heck, since 2012, State has only lost once to Arkansas. You know, we talk about when the conference added those last two players. And then, obviously, Ole Miss just, you know, the game just sort of is what it is. That's your in-state rival. Before, you know, Auburn has loses to Alabama. So, and not that State is Alabama and not that Ole Miss is Auburn, but you see what I'm getting at. So, yeah, that, that's a mindset that – and I don't fault – Jeff is just telling you what the fans yeah. think over that. And he's correct. You know, that's what they're – if you ask a Texas A&M fan – Here's the schedule. Who are you going to pick? They're going to pick MSU as a win. Yeah, nine times out of ten. And, and honestly, they have to think that way because, look, if A and M has aspirations to be the SEC West champion, they can't be worried about beating Mississippi State. Like that has to be a given for them to to be where they want to be. Beating Mississippi State and Ole Miss and Arkansas has to be a given for them if they want to be right. the SEC West champion. You're right. And and they, they pay the money and they recruit well enough to be the SEC West champion. It's just on the field, they haven't done that right. <laughs> in any way. Right. We'll see what happens when that game is played and whenever that is. Don't know when the, the date of that one yet. So, all right, tomorrow's show, uh, Deep Dive. We, we're, it's it's going to happen, come barring another stupid day of – you know tomorrow the SEC will announce the schedule, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if that happens, happen. if that happens, we're still doing the deep dive. We'll just do a two-hour podcast. I don't care anymore. We'll figure that out when we get there. Guys, have a great uh, Thursday. We'll be back with you on Friday morning. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.